Welcome to the U.S. National Privacy and Cybersecurity Podcast. My name is Jason Shoup, and I am the executive director of today's sponsor, the Association of Data and Cyber Governance. The association offers a discount on memberships for our podcast listeners when they go to www.adcg.org and use the code word POD. Today, we are led by our host, Jody Westby. We hope you enjoy the episode and don't forget to leave us a rating or a comment. This is Jody Westby, host of the ADCG Privacy and Cybersecurity Podcast. And today we're joined by Jeff Jockish, a data privacy researcher and the CEO of Privacy Plan, as well as the Chief Privacy Officer at Advantis Privacy. Jeff does original research and consults on privacy strategy and data governance. Jeff is co-host of Your Bites, Your Rights, where he champions data ownership and exploration of our exploitive data ecosystems. Jeff, welcome. It's nice to have you back. I'm excited today to dive into your new venture, Advantis Privacy and learn about how you're breaking down yet another privacy barrier. So let's start with the basics. Please tell us what Advantis Privacy is all about and why you started this company. Thanks, Jody. I'm very uh, glad to be here. Glad to talk to you. Hope you're doing well. So uh, yeah, let me give you a little background uh, on on Avantis. Um, so uh, I sort of got into uh, this, uh, this space and, and actually this company because of a, an article I read back in 2013, Kashmir Hill, uh, you actually probably have heard her name recently because she has a new book out uh, on facial recognition. Oh. But yeah, but back then she was actually uh, wrote an article about data brokers selling lists of uh, rape victims and alcoholics and uh, erectile dysfunction sufferers, which was pretty crazy back then. And I was like, what the heck is this about? Um, and it really got me, that was sort of my first introduction to data brokers. And it really got my radar up. Um, I didn't really act on it back then, but this was back when I was working for a search engine and building out sort of the back end of a, of a knowledge graph. Okay. And uh, it was very interesting to me. And so I sort of took that information and deposited it in the back of my brain. And as I sort of got out of that uh, effort several years later and started moving into the privacy world, I started looking at data brokers more with, a, I, I guess, a more keen eye. And I did some research and, and found that the, the FTC had done a report back in 2014 on transparency of data brokers. And I said, well, I wonder how many of these data brokers are out there. And nobody could tell me. Mm-hmm. And I actually had done a little uh, background research, sent a uh, a request to both uh, the C uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and the FTC uh, Freedom of Information request to get any information they had on the number of data brokers. And both of them said that they weren't tracking them. So I started tracking them myself. Yeah. And so now I've got a huge database of data brokers. Uh, I'm actually tracking 6,400 of them currently. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing number, right? Are those in the U.S.? Uh, it's U.S. centric, but there are probably a couple thousand of those are, are international. Okay, at least a thousand, over a thousand are international. I'm not sure the exact number. Uh, should actually figure that out, but uh, it is definitely U.S. centric. 
And uh, yeah, it's just a, a huge, huge number. Back in 2014, when uh, the the FTC did their report, they estimated that there were about 4,000. And uh, I sort of thought that that was probably the number I'd, I'd sort of hit on, but, it, but it's more than that based upon my analysis. Can you define what data broker is in your mind? Yeah, so so my definition of data broker is anybody that that collects a large amount of information on consumers and and is monetizing it in some way, okay. and that's a, a broader definition than what like a state law like uh, California uses to to make data brokers register. Mm-hmm. Their definition is more narrow. You have to actually be a third party, uh, for instance, in the California law to be considered a data broker. So for instance, Facebook would not be considered a data broker uh, or Google or Apple. I mean, they're all collecting massive amounts of personal data, but because they're first parties to your data, you're you're giving them direct consent. They're not considered a data broker. I consider them a data broker, but I also tag them in a particular way so that if you wanted to not consider them a data broker, you could push them to the side and not not count them in in the numbers if you wanted to. Well, well, so what, what does it, Avantis Privacy do? Well, that's a good question. So um, unlike other data deletion services, so what we do is we, we help consumers delete their data. But there are a lot of other companies out there that do that. And we're quite a bit different from those other companies. So we really focus right now on two uh, sort of unique services. One is a, a consumer service called Location Purge. And what that does is delete your location history from location data brokers. Other services like Incogni and Optory and Delete Me, and there's a whole bunch of others, right? They delete your data from data brokers. But as far as I know, still none of them actually delete any location data because that requires a mobile advertising ID. And none of them collect that from you when you sign up for their services. You have to actually have a mobile advertising ID in order to delete your location history from a data broker. Mm, Okay. And that's really sort of important information. Now, a lot of people on the Apple advertising platforms have turned their advertising IDs off. When when Apple turned on their, their ATT platform and let you opt out of some data collection, that turns your mobile advertising ID off. Mm-hmm. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't delete any of the information that those uh, location data brokers have collected. So it's still sitting out there, right? Your location history is still sitting out there. Um, and for for uh, Google Android users, uh, it's still being collected by like 97% of users. Well, you say it's sitting out there. Where is it sitting? Uh, it's sitting in their databases. And, and frankly, they're still collecting it in other ways, even if you have turned off your mobile advertising ID. So they're still scraping it from your ad stream and from uh, from your cars and from other different ways. So there's lots of ways that they get it and they they will still collect that information on you. So we can still delete it uh, if we can get your mobile advertising ID. And so you said there's two things. One's location purge. What's the second? So the second thing that we do is we have another service called Signature Purge. And Signature Purge does delete your data, but it's a high-end service that helps people recover their privacy. And it goes sort of far beyond what other sort of consumer data deletion services do. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, because what we start out with is we scan for your data. 
uh, like a bad actor uh, who's trying to find you. We scan across the entire internet and the dark web. We don't mm-hmm. just scan data broker sites. We scan everywhere, right? Like we were bad guys trying to find you. Mm-hmm. And then we use that information to go out and delete your information, not just from data broker sites, though we do that in an incredibly incredible amount of detail, but in all, all different kinds of places, right? And we actually opt you out from a thousand data brokers, not just the some, somewhere around 200, maybe 300 that the other services are able to do that uh, for you from. And that's because we actually know so much more about the data broker ecosystem than a lot of our, our competitors are actually uh, are doing. They do a, a pretty awesome job of opting you out of people search engines in most cases, but uh, we actually just have a larger purview because our database is so much larger than theirs. Yeah. I want to explore that, that this is such a huge area and one in which I feel like the public is not fully informed or aware of the massive data sharing slash selling that goes on behind the scenes. Do you share that view? And how do you propose raising public awareness of the uses of, of personal data and the many lives it takes on? I think consumers are starting to understand it that it's a problem. I mean, you can see that in, in, in California, for instance, for the support of this legislation uh, yeah, that was just passed, the DELETE Act, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when they did a poll um, before that act passed, um, I mean, obviously it was a, it wasn't a public support that passed the act, right? It was a, uh, a vote inside the assembly. And, but uh, 80% of consumers, when they did a, a study of that before the act passed, uh, supported the legislation. So yeah. consumers are getting a clue, despite what some in the industry might tell you. They understand that there's a problem with data brokers and with the collection of their personal information. But they don't always have a choice, right? I mean, they know that Facebook isn't good from them for them, but they don't have a choice for another social platform that connects all their friends, right? So they continue to use it. But they don't understand the extent of the problem. They don't understand that if they give their location information to their weather app, that that weather app is potentially going to give that location information to you know, a data broker who's then going to give that information to a government who, you know, law enforcement, and, and then also maybe sell it to a stalker who wants to find them, right? Yeah. They don't understand how far that information can travel. Well, I mean, I think people understand they get on the internet and that there are cookies out there and and most people are impatient enough that they just say, accept. I don't think many people actually drill down and try to manage cookies. Yeah, um, they don't, right? I mean, yeah. even us privacy professionals don't. I mean, no. I, I went to a, a website the other day. It was, uh, I don't know, maybe like a m- month ago, two months ago. And there's a video game coming out. It actually already came out called Baldur's Gate 3. And I wanted to see an article on it. And I went to a website. I forget which one it was. It was, it was a video game. And I had a, an article about this video game. And I clicked on it and it popped up a, a consent you know, you know, banner. And I was just about to click on it. And I said, no, nah, you know what? I'm going to actually scroll and see what this I'm accepting. Right. Mm-hmm. And it popped up a list of all the people that were going to share my information with. Yeah. It was 257 different organizations. 
I copied that out, put it in a spreadsheet, and 200 of those organizations were data brokers. And is that because of California they did this? Yep. Yeah. So they were actually, you know, giving me the information that I needed to to know to be able to make a choice had I actually read any of that information. But you and I both know that 99.9% of people are never going to look at that. No. Right? No. And, and even if I had actually opted out using a, a service like my service or delete me or opt or whatever, mm-hmm. I just opted back in if I clicked that consent banner. Yeah. I think people understand they get on the internet and that they, that there are cookies and that they can say no to, I'm not going to keep my location off, but that they know that someone's going to get past the cookie for and for a, an ad. and. I don't think they understand, though, this complex web of companies and data sharing that, frankly, you know, began with the big platforms. And they just don't have any idea of the enormity of data sharing. And you're touching on it about the number. I I mean, I think it would blow most people's minds to think 6,000 data brokers, and you know that's not all of them. And let's just say 4,000 of those are in the U.S. and 2,000 are elsewhere. 4,000 data brokers in the U.S.? Yeah. No wonder my inbox is full. Um, <laughs> okay, so so how difficult is it for the average person to try to get their personal data deleted? Can you bring this down to real life and perhaps share some anecdotes or pain points? Sure. I mean... It's possible for you to actually go and try to delete your own data. Um, I mean, if you go to... I have how many days available of time? (laughs) Well, you know, there's actually a new app out called Permission Slips that Consumer Reports just released, right? Mm -hmm. And um, that app sort of automates the... Well, it doesn't automate. Uh, it makes it easier for you to opt out of the data brokers that have registered in California, right? And they've done a really good job with that app, right? But even with that, right, it's hard because you have to essentially step through 527 different companies, look at that company, and then go through and say, oh, do they have my data? Uh, okay, I think they do. And then I'm going to press this button and it's going to automate uh, automate that and then send out a request for them to delete it. And that's like, you know, then I have to do that 527 times. But even if you if you took that app away and you weren't using that app, imagine having to go to 527 sites or, or 4,000 sites or 6,000 sites, right? Find the link on those websites, right? Enter whatever information those sites demand that you give them, right? Sometimes you have to give them more of your information in order to delete your information, right? right? And then wait for them to respond, right? Sometimes they want more information then after you've submitted that form. And then sometimes they deny you or complain or don't respond, right? And and then you have to do that 500 or 4,000 or 6,000 times. Right. And and the other thing is most people don't know how to find it, all those brokers. Right. You, there, there's not even a database other than no. mine, right? I mean, that right. has more than right. several hundred of them. And I always tell people, don't try to go search the dark web yourself. 
<laughs> right. That's right. a dangerous place. Don't try to go there. Just stay above that line. Well, they so, also have some pretty some pretty squirrely tactics too on some of these websites. You know, these data brokers don't want you to opt out, right? I mean, they're, they're actually let me back up for it, right? There are different types of data brokers, right? I actually have a whole taxonomy and different way that I classify data brokers. Okay. If, if if you're th- talking about a data broker that's like a target marketer, right? They're probably going to be relatively benign, and if you ask them to delete your data, they probably will. But when you talk about a third-party data broker, right? They make their money on selling your information, right? They don't really want you to know who they are. They don't want you to find them. And if you do find them, they don't really want you to delete their information. So they'll do things like, you know, saying, "Hey, you know, under penalty of perjury, if you put any information in here that's wrong, you know, we're going to come find you and sue your ass." They try to scare you from even asking to delete your own personal information, right? And a lot of the forms are really centered on the CCPA. And so if you're not from California or, you know, now there's a couple other states that allow you to delete your information like Virginia, Colorado, Connecticut, right? And some more that are going to be coming online. But if you're not from one of those states, right, and you pretend like you're from California so that you can opt out, then you're supposedly lying and they're going to come get you, right? Like you've stole, stolen cable or something like that, right? Or you've, you've downloaded a song that you're not supposed to have. Uh, it's not real, right? They, you, you can't commit perjury by pretending you're from California. But they're pretending you can because they want to scare you, right? Yeah. Now, they could potentially deny the deletion, but they can't convict you of perjury. Yeah. I mean, that's just like ludicrous. Or, yeah, you're, you're. They're not a government entity, first of all, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, I mean, but that's just one example of some of the, the the BS that they'll try, right, to keep you from deleting your information. Well, I want to go back to the anecdote thing. I mean, can you share a story or so about someone that has shared with you? their journey to try to delete their data? How much time did it take them? Was it a nightmare? Yeah. Um, There's actually a buddy of mine, Craig, uh, who's, he actually tried to do this when the CCPA first launched. And um, I think he spent a couple hundred hours trying to get his personal information deleted and was actually only able to get it deleted from like 70% of companies that Mm. he tried. And it took him, I don't remember how many hours, I think it was well over a couple hundred. And that was just for the 500 that were registered in California. Right. And, you know, most of us can't find 200 minutes. Right. Much less 200 hours. So how does Avantis privacy interact with companies that have personal data? And in other words, it, you don't just delete some data and the problem's solved. How do you approach this with these data brokers? So it sort of depends upon what type of data and what type of broker. But you're right. There are different rules on what they have to do. I think the rule in California is they have to delete it for at least a year. So it's not like they have to delete it forever. That probably changes with the Delete Act. I'm not actually sure exactly what that rule is now. But the way we work it is we actually continue to scan for your data. And most of the competitors, I think, in this in this space, um, in the data deletion space, will will do that. 
And it's part of what they do with, uh, you know, trying to, um, well, offering you is like subscriptions, right? So if you if you subscribe to a data deletion service, part of the reason to, to keep your subscription is that they'll continue to scan and make sure that your data doesn't flow back into the system, right? Mm. One of the things that we think our signature purge product does particularly well is because we're able to delete it from so many places, it actually can't seep into this back into the system so fast, right? Because we try to sort of cut the head off the snake. We sort of understand how more of the data flows into the system and we're able to cut off more of those angles rather than just, you know, cutting off where it's all seeped into, right? But you can't cut off all those places, right? Because there are sources that you're never going to get. So eventually, some of that information will see back in from public records and voter rolls and places like that that you cannot control. You mentioned that you have a power of attorney to delete data. Yeah. Uh, just tell us about that. What What is that? So in order to delete your data, the way you want to, to do this, right? So so we're acting as, a, as an agent for you. Um, mm -hmm. And most of these other companies essentially do some sort of format of that, uh, whether it's by clicking on your uh, something, a button on their website or by filling out a form, right? You're giving these organizations a, a limited power of attorney to act on your behalf to delete your data, right? Right. Uh, we do it through an actual form where you give us your signature, but that limited power of attorney allows us to act on your behalf, right? Mm -hmm. And and part of the way we do that is is sometimes we will act as you. So we'll send out the form on your behalf and say, "Hey, uh, I am Jody, and uh, delete my data." Right. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that's better than just saying, "Hey, we uh, we represent Jody and uh, delete Jody's data." But you can do it both ways. Sometimes it works better one way. Sometimes it works better in another. It depends upon the situation. And. So that allows you to go out to fan out the request to more people and yeah, and, um, have the authority. What about anonymization of data? Is that helpful in solving the problem? Well, a lot of companies will claim and some laws allow um, anonymous data to not be personal data. Yeah. Right? Let's look at specifically at like location data brokers, right? Up until a year or two ago, you couldn't even opt out of location data brokers because they all claimed that their data was anonymous um, and that, you know, the mobile advertising IDs were just an anonymous identifier that nobody knew how to, to trace back to you. And therefore, they didn't have to allow anybody to opt out of that data because it was just all anonymous data. It was an anonymous identifier and then connected to a bunch of lat longs, you know, latitude, longitude numbers. That's what the industry claimed, right? Now they're all offering opt-outs because it's become increasingly clear that all that information is not anonymous. It's very easy to trace back to an individual. In fact, there are location data brokers that will offer lookup tables for, for you know, uh, this MAID belongs to this specific person. But even if that wasn't available, if I have, you know, four precise geolocation points 
on any particular person in the United States, I can tell you exactly who that person is with 95% accuracy. It's that easy to re-identify. I have to ask you a question. Is advertising driving all of this? Yeah, that's, that's what's driving it, right? Ad tech. I remember back in 1999 at the Progress and Freedom Foundation, we were having a conference and we were talking about you know, online content and privacy and beginning topics for all of us. And the advertising community was there and they were just so wound up about the advertising opportunities. Yeah, well, it is it is pretty valuable to, to advertising. Oh, no kidding. I mean, they've totally <laughs> changed marketing. I mean, uh-huh. now you're a marketing person. You better understand data analytics. You better understand, you know, a lot about online traffic and advertising models, which can be extraordinarily complex. Mm-hmm. And um, especially mobile ads. And um you know, that at the advertising industry, wow, it has changed dramatically and it's changing everything about how we use technology, I think, because it's become so pervasive and invasive and we don't understand it. Right. Um, what geographic area does Avantis cover with its services? So we're, we're very U.S. centric. We intend to actually change that. We're already looking at uh, making services available in Canada. Yeah, uh, and we'll be international soon. The location the purge stuff that we do can can frankly be done pretty widely. Probably the location data brokers don't want to hear that, but uh, it's not that hard to actually delete MEIDs from wherever they come from. But technically, they would you know really need to be coming from from uh, the U.S. But I don't think it actually makes a whole big difference. But to be able to actually cover other nations for for like the signature purge product while we could do opt-outs for people in other nations the specific data broker coverages outside of the u.s would be less than complete right because we haven't really focused on making sure that the coverage of all the data brokers in those jurisdictions are complete right or and and like our language support for those areas isn't necessarily complete yet but we could do deletes for them and, and be able to delete a lot of their data. It just wouldn't be a complete service yet. So the location purge and that deleting location data, and you said it requires a mobile device. Um, yeah, mobile advertising ID. Right? Mobile advertising ID. So that really helps cut down on ads you get. It does. But Signature Purge, you said that is where you continually scan and it's a service where you scan for, I guess, various aspects of someone's personal identity. Yeah, it's really about deleting your entire digital footprint or as much of it as you want deleted. Yeah. So one is really to help keep you out of the online data junk. And the other is reducing ads as well as information about where you've been. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we really want the the location purge product to be about a little bit about like physical security, about uh-huh. deleting sort of like your location history so people can't easily like look that up. Right. Um, and eventually what we want to do is is pair that with with a data deletion service that can can really focus on deleting um your personal information that really focuses on like your address information. 
So sort of like a, a data deletion service that would focus on people search engines, but specifically deleting your address data, right? Mm -hmm. But we haven't we haven't built that yet, and there's nothing else out there like uh, you know like a delete me service that 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 focuses on just deleting your address, right? right. But that's coming, right? And then we'll we'll sort of pair that together, and then we'll actually have like a service that can say, hey, this can sort of like keep me or make me like sort of physically secure or physically secure, right? Nothing can be right. make really physically secure, but it can delete all my location history and my 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 current location information from the web. Right. And that would be pretty amazing. Would be, absolutely. Well, we're about out of time, but I wanted to give you a chance to offer any last thoughts you have for our listeners on how they can protect their privacy or how using services such as Avantis privacy gives them an edge or, or whatever that you want to offer. Yeah, I, th I think what I would just say is, you know, there, there are a lot of people that still sort of think, you know, I don't, I don't need privacy. You know, who cares about me, right? Um, I would say to those people, thieves care about everybody, right? Yeah. And there are a lot of bad guys out there. And the truth is, is that all of this new artificial intelligence stuff that you're hearing about, especially the, the large language models, the LLMs, the chatbots, that technology is going to empower the bad guys to go after more and more people, right? Oh, yeah. And if you have a large digital footprint, and by large, I mean like any digital footprint, you're going to be a juicy target for all of those bots going out and essentially just looking for anybody who's got a digital footprint. And they're going to start targeting you with phishing campaigns after phishing campaign, right? right? So if you've got any net worth or you're in any kind of a job that has you know access to interesting information or money, you're going to be a target. Yeah. Whether it's your money or or your company's money, you're going to be a target. Exactly. It's um, a big problem. Well, thank you. And and please send me any links you want about Avantis privacy, and I will post them with this episode on the ADCG Association for Data and Cyber Governance website. And um we really appreciate your time and, and thank you for always continuing to think about privacy, as I call them, privacy barriers, and out there whacking them down. Appreciate your time, Jody. Thank you for joining us this week on the U.S. National Privacy and Cybersecurity Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's podcast and want more content about the issues we've covered, you can visit www. .adcg.org. The Association for Data and Cyber Governance is the leading association connecting all aspects of data management, cybersecurity, and governance. Our listeners can use the code POD at checkout for a discount on all memberships. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us next week.